Seamus Diskin is part of an organisation uh, who work to promote um, equality and uh, a lot of different values. He's going to explain that to us. And um, Seamus has been working in the community sector for over 15 years, so he's a lot of experience at grassroots. Um, community workers, Community Work Ireland uh, works to create the conditions for community work to develop by advocating for policies, programmes and resources to enable the growth and sustainability of a strong, autonomous community development sector in Ireland. So that's from um, that's from community developments, or sorry, Community Work Ireland's um, uh, website. That's 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 their that's their motto. Um, so uh, just tell me some of your experiences. Uh, as I said, or as I was talking earlier on, we had some really good. Um, you know, visits during the week to Roscommon by some of the politicians. Some Leo Vradko was here and Ashley Donan. It was it was really positive thing uh, for the community. Um, I'm curious on your understanding as far as community work and uh, you know the um, you know how politics and uh, community community work and community values work with the budget coming up and uh, different issues like that. Well, thanks for having me on your show, Damien. Um, hope you're keeping well. Um, yeah, that's a kind of a broad question there. Um, I suppose, firstly, uh, Community Work Ireland is um, it's a kind of a national organisation for promotion of community work and its way of um, kind of uh, regulating it and making sure that it's up to standard. But its main job is to address poverty. Poverty social exclusion and inequality and what would I mean by social exclusion like say the traveller community would be excluded from certain activities in Ireland and maybe some migrants or refugees they might be excluded and you know um, different sectors like that can be excluded partly because they don't have the money but sometimes it's because of the colour of their skin or because of their ethnicity um, so that's what the Community Work Ireland do um, uh, I I uh, trained as a community worker and youth worker in um, uh, about 15 years ago as you say yeah and since then I've been working in a variety of different projects um, I suppose people would know community workers really from projects like the local family resource centre or um, a few years ago there were community development projects um, uh, and it's, it's about bringing people together and educating them, empowering them and uh, promoting uh, a society that is just and sustainable and equal. Um, so I'd have worked in, um, in Ballymun in Dublin. I worked in Ballyban in Galway with young travellers. Uh, I worked with refugees in Galway City and um, uh, different, different aspects like that. So the, the education part of community work as well is, is very important. Like a lot of times... We meet people who, for a variety of reasons, never got a fair chance at the education system. I mean, most people would recognise that the Irish education system is a good one uh, from national school, secondary school and third level. But at the same time, you know, if you have, like, family difficulties, if you have money problems, if you have uh, disability, uh, there are barriers there, you know, and... I mean, the authorities are doing a bit to address them, but there's always more that can be done. So sometimes people don't get the fair chance at education for whatever reason, and giving them a second chance at education 
Uh, when I was in Ballymun, I worked with a woman who was an inspiration to me, really. She left school when she was 16, 17. And, um, you know, she got married young and she had a couple of kids. And by the time she was 22 or 23, she looked around herself and said, what am I doing with myself? And she, she joined her local community centre and with the community workers' help, she started to reset her leave and search. And um, she ended up anyway with a master's degree in women's studies, you know, and running her own community development project. Like, so she was quite an inspiration. And that's like, it doesn't always work out like that, but that's the kind of thing that can, can inspire people just from her own family circumstances. Um, and sometimes people's background as well is kind of negative about education, you know. So that's community work there. And you were asking me about politicians as well. Is that right, Damien? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Um, um, well, I'm not surprised that Leo Bradker made a big fuss about coming to County Roscommon because I think County Roscommon, I think the constituencies, Roscommon, East Galway. So, uh, but I think it's, it certainly doesn't have any government TVs at all. I think it might be the only constituency in Ireland that doesn't have a government TD because uh, you have um, Fitzmaurice and you have Nocton and you have, um, uh, her name has escaped me now, a uh, young, Karan, a wonderful young Karan. woman from Sinn Féin. Yeah, Claire Curran. Yeah. exactly, Claire Curran. And she's an excellent speaker and she's so young, it's wonderful to see young women coming into politics like that. Um, and I'm sure Ashley Dolan is going to make a fine... Uh, run at the election, but I'm sure Leo would like to have uh, a Fine Gael TD in Roscommon because he kind of lost one, really, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that's a, it's a good plus. But really, you know, you have to look at uh, Fine Gael and their pri- priorities. Like, and I don't think that their priorities are focused on the west of Ireland. You know, I think their priorities are more focused on um, big business and big farms. And I think that's their. Um, that's their mantra, um, in my opinion. Um, I think that uh, Leo Varadkar is currently the Minister for um, Business and Enterprise, but, I mean, he's effectively the Taoiseach in waiting. I, I understand the agreement in the Programme for Government is that Leo is going to take over as Taoiseach on the middle of December, and he's going, to, um, he's going to take over from Michal Martin, and that's the deal that was made for the two of them to go in together with the Greens. So he's a Taoiseach in waiting. In another couple of months, he'll be Taoiseach. Um, he was also Taoiseach for the last government as well. And a lot of people think he handled the COVID situation fairly well. Um, and he did. He put himself up front and made sure that he was on the telly every night. He liked that. I think he's very conscious of his image, as nearly every politician is. You know, but he, he also uh, presided over a situation about housing which is, you know, a pretty severe situation in this country at the moment. And we have a lot of crisis for working people. Um, we have a crisis of energy. Certainly everyone knows that. It's costing you twice as much to fill the tank of petrol. It's costing twice or three times as much to, to put oil in the central heating tank. And electricity bills are gone crazy altogether. Um, the RTE carried a report this morning saying that food prices have gone up 7% this month. And these are global factors, you know, they're not all in the control of Ireland. But one thing that is in the control of Ireland is our own houses. And I think it's kind of scary in a way that for the first time that I remember, and I'm, I'm around a while, Damien, it's the first time I remember that Irish people are actually terrified of the landlord. Yeah. You know, I think that's going back to 100 years ago. And I thought we got rid of that, you know, but we are now, again, young people are terrified of the landlord. 
a place is put up for rent and there's like a hundred people queuing up in the, outside the street you hear all the stories about rent is impossible students can't get back to college I mean there are there are um, definitely factors but I think that the recovery from the crash uh, you know they, we had the Celtic Tiger and then it all went boom boom surprise surprise and then there was a crash at Anglo-Irish Bank and all that stuff but the recovery of that was really based on Fine Gael government led by Leo Bradker and I think a lot of what they had to say was that they were really wanted to make sure that people who had bought houses got their value back and there's nothing wrong with that but in order to do that they brought in a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of money investors from outside with very sweet tax deals to start building apartment blocks and these places now they're charging they're trying to charge students like two and a half thousand a month for rent, you know, um, and it's 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 a squeeze. I, I don't think that they've done anywhere near enough in terms of building social housing, which would be a counterbalance to the market provision of housing. But I wish um, Senator Dolan well, and I think um, that uh, it's good to see young women coming into politics. That's also excellent, um, and um, uh, I'm sure in, in a three-seater it'll be a tough fight. And I wish them all the best of luck. Right. You touched on something there, and um, I don't want to get too uh, technical for our listeners this morning. As you know, I I, I do lots of different, um, um, you know, takes on politics, and and I um, I try and keep it fairly level. Um, but there's something I use this term sometimes um, because I suppose it's a term that's that's been used in the media. And no more than listening to a lot of politicians, uh, they, they, it's hard to understand half the things they're saying. But um, there's a thing called a neoliberal agenda that was that came into um, that came into play at some point. Uh, can you expand a little bit more about that or how how that works? From my understanding, it's like you know the state took a backseat role and. Private enterprise took more of a. Is that, is that the best way to describe it? Um, yeah, you're right there, Damien. That's that's about the gist of it, really. Um, the the idea of uh, liberal in the old days was that the market should decide. If the market is going to do something, they'll do it. If someone can make money at it, they'll do it. And if they can't make money at it, it shouldn't be done. And so when when it came back here again, now this would be originated, I'd say, with Maggie Thatcher in England and Ronald Reagan in the United States around the same time. And th- that was the idea that... Um, the, so it was kind of like the new liberal idea, or neoliberal was the word expression they meant. But basically the idea was that the market would decide. So like going back to my earlier point, instead of uh, what we had in the 1930s, for example, in this country, when the Fianna Fáil government at the time, they built thousands of social houses... Um, they were called council houses back then, but they were social houses, and they built thousands of them um, all over the country, even though the country was pretty broke, but they found the money, or they borrowed it or something, but they, they built them. But like the, 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 this neoliberal agenda would be that if we need houses, well, the market will build them. And now we have a situation where the, mar- the market or the contractors or the developers are building houses, and the council are just coming in and buying this off them, you know? And... Like, that's kind of crazy, really, when you think about it, because there's a big slice of profit there and also a big slice of um, investment money, you know, that the councils and the government, they've got huge power to borrow money, 
you know, they can borrow money very, very cheaply on very low credit. Um, so they, 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 they can borrow money and build houses, invest houses, and, um, you know, uh, do things like that. And that would be a, a way of helping people who are struggling for housing. But it applies in a lot of areas. For example, healthcare as well. Um, we've seen how the privatisation of healthcare is, is increasing. More and more people um, are turning, are forced effectively to private healthcare, whether that's through private insurance or whether it's through private clinics, or even I've heard cases of people going abroad get healthcare in this country and this is a rich country like we shouldn't be needing to do that we, we, we should have a healthcare system that looks after people and uh, it, sh- it should be affordable or it should be free it'd be better but affordable at least so I think the, um, that's probably uh, a kind of a non-technical way of explaining about that, that term neoliberal that um, you've mentioned so right. So it's happening. It's all around us. It's it's it's. I suppose it's it's a way of life. It's it's an economic way of life. But maybe uh, sometimes, well, people, uh, you know, I don't maybe understand it exactly how it's how it's playing out, and um, if it could be changed. Um, how could you ever foresee maybe a, a different a different type of society, or maybe maybe moving towards something that's uh, that's more um, democratic? I'm not sure if de- democratic is the word to use. Um, you know, is there? A, you know, if we go back to class, is there? Is there a class society? Is there? You know what I mean? Again, without getting too technical, we're a rural community here um, in Roscommon. But in in a rural community, Damien, like the, the first thing that you understand is is about community. You know, um, in a rural community, people know their neighbours, and they know the people in their in their own parish, and community is is a great basis for organising uh, society, you know, because uh, it's done on uh, on a local basis and it's done by communities. But uh, when you say democratic, demo- democratic is great, like obviously nobody wants dictatorship. But the thing with the democracy is, you know, that if you just have a straight vote, like you can have uh, 51 people vote for something and 49 people vote against it, so at the end of the meeting, like, you have 49 people that are kind of fed up because they didn't get what they want. What a better approach may be, and this would be the community work approach, would be to look for consensus. So to discuss it uh, in a community, in a community centre or, you know, wherever the local hall is, and find, you know, wh- wh- what is your problem with this? You know, can we make a compromise here? Can we change something that would that suit you better, you know? And try and find a consensus. Now, you're not going to get everybody on board, but you can get a lot more people. And a dem- democratic is good if you're having a general election or a referendum or something. But, you know, if you're look- looking at it on a local basis, when people know each other, and there's one thing I know about, about um, rural areas, like, you know, farmers are always ready to make a deal. You know, they're always looking for a way to find a compromise, to come to an accommodation with people, you know, um, they're they're willing to uh, to work with people to try and find a good solution, and I think that focusing on communities is is a better way to go. And I think as well, like with the challenges that we're facing now, with like I mentioned about food and energy and housing, and and of course the big one is is the climate change one, which is a really big one. Like I think that working with local communities is probably the best way to do it. You know that uh, we we focus on doing what's what's good for our own parish. And our parish looking after itself, or 
you know, a couple of parishes coming together within a county to work together and um, see there, like, uh, the, like, you know, down in... Uh, th- there's different examples of it now from... But, like, in the old days, you know, um, communities got brought water onto farms and houses. I remember my grandmother, like, she had no running water. And the, the community started a local group scheme. I mean, they got a bit of help from the government, but they did, they did all the hard work themselves, you know, going around talking to people, asking for permission to lay pipes across land, and they knew people. And people said, well, I don't want you going through that field, I want you, can you go the other way? And they said, yeah, okay, we'll make a deal, you know. And that's how it can be done, you know. Um, obviously, <coughs> you, you have to put a bit of work into it. And that's where the idea of community work comes along, is this making a space where people can come together and talk about stuff like this. What are the common problems that they have? That sounds, like to me now, that sounds very logical uh, and it sounds very, pretty straightforward. Um, but is there a fear, like, what, you know, why do people not go for something like that and, and go for, um, you know, a different type of society that maybe doesn't suit everybody or doesn't suit their needs uh, where, you know, something like that in a local community should make more sense? Um, well, I suppose, like, first of all, I think people are, um, you know, people are pushed at the pin of their collar, Damien, you know, like there's a lot of, a lot of people working in this country, um, uh, working in minimum wage jobs, or maybe they're on social welfare, or maybe they're caring for someone, which is a huge amount of work that is very undervalued. And um, the, there's people like who, who you know, they don't have time to be thinking about this kind of stuff. They're, they're too busy getting to job. Maybe they've got a second job. Maybe they've got to pick the kids up from school. They've got to look after um, some elderly person or um, someone in their family that has a disability or something like that. And they have maybe a bit of a farm to look after. And people are just going flat out. And, you know, they, they don't get a chance to kind of um, do this kind of thing. So this way it's good that your program brings these, these, these things up and people can um, kind of listen to it when they're... Um, maybe driving or on the way to work or something like that, you know, so um, there uh, I think as well there is a kind of um, uh, how would you say it, a kind of uh, um, a sort of a, a, a theory, if you like or, uh, that's, that's put out there that there is no alternative that yeah. this, was, this was a famous line from Maggie Thatcher was there is no alternative, it has to be this way you know, it has to be that you've got to pay for health care. It's got to be that you have to pay the landlord for the rent, right. uh, for super high rent. Yeah, you know? that's, kind um, of, that's kind of what I, I suppose what I'm getting at myself is that, um, yeah, there is no alternative and uh, people are, uh, are... But there is an alternative. Oh, I, I, I understand there is an alternative, but... Um, um, you know, when I'm sent, you know, when I'm talking to the listeners here, you know, it's it's not that it's um, a judgment on people or anything like that. Uh, for for from my side of things, um, it's just that um, wish. Uh, not say I I don't think people get that alternative point of view. I think I suppose sometimes we're so caught up on you know, mainstream and also there's fear factors and also there's a lot of things that do, as you're saying, keep us in place. But I'm just wondering, what is the, what is the, what is the push? Or where is things going to change? Or how can we influence change as best as possible in a, in a, you know, in a community development way? 
Well, uh, like as I said, I think that um, the, that that the work that community workers do is very valuable. And if you're lucky enough to have um, a kind of a, a, a community centre or a community worker in your area, um, it's always worth reaching out to them. They, they always have a, a lot of a variety of different things. Um, you know, women's groups and men's sheds, all sorts of stuff like this. Um, but I mean, it's also important to remember, like that, that an awful lot of people are pushed to the pin of their collar just to survive. You know, and and, and that's kind of crazy, really, because Ireland is a very wealthy country. You know, um, I mean, if you look at stock markets around the world, and, and, and there was a, a young lad from America over here, and he was looking, uh, uh, you know, about industry in Ireland, and he couldn't believe his eyes. Microsoft, Google, Facebook—they're all based in Ireland. You know, all the really big companies, like the, the biggest companies in the world, you know, they're based in Ireland, and they're all here. Um, you know, so we're a wealthy country. But when you actually look at the figures, and it was interesting there that um, uh, there's a, a research economist came out this morning with uh, some figures, and these are EU figures now. This isn't just made up by some guy. This is from the EU. But what they did was they looked at how does the top fifth of the people in the country compare to the bottom fifth in terms of their money, their, their take-home pay, the money after tax. And you'd imagine, okay, there's going to be people at the top that make big money and people at the bottom that don't make so much. But the, the idea of a tax system is that that's kind of going to level it out a little bit. But of all the countries in the EU27, Ireland was the worst. Like, it had the biggest difference. Nearly 11 and a half times between the top 20% and the bottom 20%. You know, and like the the bottom twenty percent are, you know, maybe um, someone that's on social welfare, a single person on social welfare might be on about a thousand euros a month, or if they're on minimum wage, working full time, but on minimum wage they might be on fifteen hundred a month. And then you think that there's somebody in the top twenty percent, and they're making eleven and a half times that, on average. You know, that's big, big money. That's somebody making like ten, eleven thousand a month. You know. That's and I'm, like the, they're the average, you know. So there'd be people making more than that as well. So, the, like I think that the role of government in this is to, you know, to apply a taxation system that's fair, but that that helps to redistribute uh, the the wealth of the country. And like that doesn't have to be like in the form of giving people cash, but it can be in the form of, you know, uh, helping um, kids going to school with books. Like uh, for example, like you know the. Um, uh, uniforms and school books are a big cost for working families uh, helping people with health care for example that there isn't a big cost or big waiting list for health care helping people with housing as I said that they build build houses or build apartments and make them available to people at a reasonable rent you know? reasonable, and yeah. that's a way of leveling things out a little bit you know yeah. and uh, yeah. I think it's important for government to do that and I think that we all have got a vote you know and yeah. we can look at how we can vote and how we can um, influence that as well. And when we politicians love to come down talking to us when they're looking for the vote, and you know we can tell them that as well. I mean, the the budget is coming up now, and I know there's a proposal for um, a thirty percent tax rate. And when you actually look at that, what does it mean? It means people that are now paying forty percent tax are going to be paying thirty percent tax on part of their income, and that's. That's a nice thing there. That's that's good. That's going to put a thousand euros back into a year, back into someone's pocket. You know, if if they do it over uh, the way they're talking about it, you know. But it doesn't do anything for the the people in the bottom twenty percent. 
the people that are on social welfare or that are struggling on minimum wage are the, like the small farmers and carers, students, you know. These are people without that kind of money, and they don't pay 40% tax. So making a concession on 40% tax, it doesn't affect them, you know. They're still just going to be paying the same tax they always did. So I think that's kind of going the wrong way. I think that we should be looking at maybe um, a little bit more tax on companies and corporations that are making big profits. For example, energy companies are making big profits now with this massive increase in energy costs because of the war. They're making big profits in lots of countries. Even the UK are talking about bringing in a windfall tax, you know, that they've made this sudden bonanza, their profits have gone doubled, quadrupled, and that there should be a special tax on them just for that, to get some of that money back, because the profits that they're making is coming from ordinary people. So I think that's kind of uh, the way I'd see it anyway, Damien. That, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard Leo Varadka uh, talking about a windfall tax as well, and he didn't uh, commit to it. But... Um, yeah, um, Seamus, thanks very much for the chat. I hope to get you on again uh, sometime, um, uh, sometime in the show, uh, or you know, sometime in another show. Um, your insight is great, and uh, I really appreciate your analysis uh, of community development and also uh, politics, local politics. Some of your ideas that you've come up with there are inspirational, and. Um, yeah, so we'll be in contact again, and uh, thanks for taking my call. And um, I'm going to give yourself the last word. Well, it's a pleasure, Damien. Thank you for having me on. appreciate it, yeah. And um, I look forward to joining you again. Enjoy your show. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, bye.